passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Everybody, welcome in. It is a Tuesday, a Mailbag Tuesday of the Utopia Football Podcast. Great to be with you. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m weekdays and joined as always by my good friend the hall of famer our senior columnist at sportsradio610.com john mcclain john how are we doing today i'm doing great i'm uh, a lot of people are so surprised about the texans that they would get a pummel like they did and i think we had bad feelings but we didn't have any idea they were going to get beat like that but what's wrong with them pretty simple they got their playmakers are out now stroud's out they can't run the ball defensively. They're struggling coverage, especially their safeties and linebackers. Uh, that is a fair synopsis of Sunday's game, John. And yet, um, I, I, uh, I'm hoping for a much better effort against Tennessee on Sunday. Um, we're obviously going to dig into that game a whole lot more in the Thursday episode. But we've got mailbag questions to get to. There's questions that impact that game certainly. Um, I know you've got news and notes that we're going to get to as well. It is. Uh, it feels like every week the injury report gets more and more treacherous for this team, and I'm certain that C.J. Stroud will be a part of that injury report, John, when it comes out tomorrow after practice. Um, the latest on C.J. Stroud, as you and I record this on Tuesday, is that D'Amico Ryans met with the media on Monday, said that C.J.'s in the concussion protocol. They're going to see how it goes this week. He went on to give a long answer about how concerned they are about player safety in general with concussions. He acknowledged that something you say all the time, which is rarely does somebody come back after uh, being put in the protocol. Rarely does someone come back after one week. And I don't know that I want C.J. Stroud to come back 
just one week after not just a concussion, John, but I've had several people point out as well. Hey guys, he did leave the field to get examined in the Denver game as well. He came back in two plays later. Um, but that's twice in two weeks that he's been taken off the field for what appear to be head injuries of some sort. Obviously the one this past Sunday was a head injury. Um, but John, I, I think all signs point right now to CJ Stroud, not playing on Sunday. What say you? Oh, I think he's not, not going to play. And I think Davis Mills will start. And I don't think that's a bad thing if he has players with him. But last year he beat the Titans in Tennessee when this offense was 10 times worse. And he's four and one uh, on the road against AFC South team. So they're not in bad hands. And as I wrote in my lead on my column on sportsradio610.com, no team in the league can have two backups with multi-year uh, starting assignments, including one who's the reason C.J. Stroud is here. And number two, you got a genuine miracle worker. Uh, in case Keenum is who you're referring to there. Legitimately, right. he was the author of a miracle back in the 2017 Minnesota postseason. Miracle. Can you believe it's been five teams for Case Keenum since that game, John? <laughs> Not just six years, five teams. This is this is Case's fifth team since the Minneapolis miracle. How crazy is that? That's crazy, and hopefully this will be his last team. He'll stay here until he decides he wants to coach or go into real estate and be a real estate entrepreneur. He'll have a lot of options in coaching, if indeed that's what he wants to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's this is uh, this is a tricky one this weekend, John. Um, with no C.J. Stroud, um, it looks like no Nico Collins as well. Calf injury is not usually something that is a one week thing. Um, so I'm anticipating no Nico Collins. Uh, but as you point out, they've gone into Nashville. They went in last year with Davis Mills, a quarterback. They went in two years ago with Terod Taylor, a quarterback. Now, that was a monsoon, if I remember correctly, in 2021 with a bunch of turnovers in that game. Um, but they have beaten the Titans in Nashville, which with much worse Texans material than the one than the team they'll be bringing to Nashville, even as banged up as they are this coming Sunday. They've won three of the last four games there. The other one was three-point loss. They haven't lost. They haven't been swept there since 17 when, uh, I mean, beaten there. Let's see, they haven't been swept. I can't remember when they had swept. They lost two three-point games one season, one in overtime when Derrick Henry beat them. I'm going to have a Derrick Henry column on Wednesday because Texans are playing good run defense for the first time since 2018. Will they finally? shut down Derrick Henry, who has been their nemesis. 2018 was when you're thinking of, John. They got swept in 2018. That was, ironically, that was Mike Vrabel's, Mike Vrabel's rookie year as a head coach, and that was his second his second game as a head coach in the NFL. He went in with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. They were missing Taylor Lewan, and they beat Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, and the Texans in week two, kind of cobbling together. Fake punt. Well, I mean, John, honestly, let's let's be real about this. Probably doing some things the Texans are going to need to do this weekend to pull off the upset in Nashville. I don't know if they're going to need to get a 66-yard <laughs> fake punt. But I said this on Payne and Pendergast today, is that D'Amico Ryans, as undermanned as they are right now and going in with a backup quarterback, he's going to need to out-Vrabel Mike Vrabel. <laughs> you know, Vrabel went into Miami and beat the Dolphins last night as a two-touchdown underdog. So, um, this will be a fascinating head coaching matchup, I think. This will be D'Amico Ryan's biggest test as a head coach by far this weekend with no C.J. Stroud in all likelihood. That Monday night game in this century, what, 22 years now, it's the first time a team 
has been up by has been down by 14 in the last three minutes and won. What an embarrassment for the Dolphins. Does anybody take the Dolphins seriously anymore when they can't even beat a bad team that's winless on the road when they haven't beaten? I wish Stroud could play so we could see Stroud versus Levis first of many matchups. Hopefully, we'll see those two in two weeks when they play again. Yeah, hopefully that is the case. Um, so we, you and I both anticipate no C.J. Stroud this Sunday. Uh, spread on the game two and a half. It opened Titans minus one. It's Titans minus two and a half now. Probably a combination of the result from last night's game, getting people a little amped up about the Titans along with the the uh, eventuality that C.J. Stroud's not going to play in the game this weekend. Um, let's get to your news and notes, John. The general news and notes, we do this every Tuesday before we hit the mailbag. What do you got for us, my friend? Well, I've already uh, I mentioned uh, guys in coverage. I looked up opposing quarterback rating against the Texans. And the best by far in seven starts, Derek Stingley Jr., 55.2. That is incredible. The others, not so much. Jalen Petrie, the opposing quarterback rating going against him, 149.8. Okay, and just for point of reference, perfect is 158.3. That's the maximum your passer rating can be in the NFL. And Jalen Petrie is what, 149.3? 149.8. Oh, my God. Wow. The worst linebacker, and we've seen this all year, Henry Tuatoa, 136.4. But Christian Harris, who had a terrible game Sunday, his rating against him – 115. Now, the best the best linebacker, Sean, is we would be easy to pick out would be Blake Cashman. Yeah. 77.6, but he left the game and may not even play. He's, he's hurt too. Six. Yeah. we. I mean, he John, that gets lost in the wash just because it's Stroud and it's Nico, and that just is a completely debilitating blow to your offense. But Blake Cashman going out is – that's no small potatoes right there either. Uh. Let's see. Uh, Steven Nelson's is real good. Uh, Jimmy Ward's is bad, 91.2. So the corners have been good, except Javier Thomas, 110 rating against him. But Steven Nelson and Derek Stingley have been good. Problems with safety have not been, and the linebackers have not been other than Cashman. Other than that, it's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. What's Sheldon Rankin's passer rating against John? Let's give some give me some of the defensive linemen just to give me some zeros there. Well, something. unfortunately, I didn't I didn't do any I'm joking any of them, but Sheldon Rankin's has five sacks. He got his fifth against the Jets. And that's the most he's had since 2014 when he had eight. He's okay. a terrific addition. Shout out to John Grenard too. Hit double digits on sacks with the two sacks he had this past Sunday. Um, against the New York Jets. John, is your hope that Derek Stingley Jr. just follows DeAndre Hopkins all over the field on Sunday? That would be the best way to do it. He's by far their best receiver. Let's see what the young guy can do against the old guy who had a great game on Monday night. He is, let's see, he he if he has over 100 yards again, he'll have 1,000. He's going to be way over 1,000, it looks like now, because he's not, Nico Collins already hit it. I believe Diop is like 110, something like that, out. By the way, uh, John Grenard, who played a tremendous game and otherwise terrible performance by the defense second half, he is the first Texan to hit double digits since J.J. Watt 
in 2018 when he had 16. Yep. Yep. That was, uh, that was JJ. That was the one kind of healthy year JJ had on the back end of his Texans career. <laughs> he, fully healthy and fully productive. He was healthy in 2020, but uh, that was just a weird, that was a weird season. Um, so yeah, good, good for, uh, good for old uh, Jonathan Grenard, or as the Pat McAfee show crew calls him, Johnny Greenard. Uh, Greenard. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's what, uh, 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 my mind's going blank guard who does film work every week from the NFL network. Baldinger. Does, yeah. Who? Yeah. Baldinger. Yeah. He calls Baldinger, him Greener. Yeah. yeah. Brian Baldinger. Jonathan Greener. By Greener. the way, Greener's going to make a lot of money and you hope it's from the Texans because he's real good against the run. He and uh, Will Anderson Jr. are the best duo against the run in the league who mm. play on the edge. Now, another one, this is interesting. You think of how bad the Texans have been uh, these last few years. They uh, gave up zero points in the first half. That's the first time that's happened since uh, 2019 when they mm. did it at Tennessee back when they were 10-6 and six and won their last AFC South title. And uh, that was just such a weird game, 30 points in the second half. I don't know about you, Sean. I thought at halftime they had a chance. They played all those close games, had a chance to win another one, wait for a Stroud miracle. Where were you at halftime? I was uh, – I, I had tweeted this when Nico went down and when the rain was a real factor. Is it, John, these two teams are basically equals right now. You take Nico Collins out, you add elements into a, a quarterback who CJ, for whatever reason, has some sort of – it feels like some sort of text – textural thing going on with a wet football remember there was that blurb on the mic'd up of him telling Dieter to change his jersey because Dieter couldn't stop sweating um so I thought that I I thought between mother nature and Nico Collins injury they were basically mirror images of each other and whichever team did something stupid first was going to lose the football game um they gave up a touchdown pass early in the second half the Texans did to Randall Cobb that qualifies as stupid for me um so that's (laughs) That's where I was, which I just felt like the first team to make a big mistake was going to be the one to lose that football game because I thought points were going to be much. I thought points were going to be very scarce in the second half, which was true for the Texans. They were very scarce in the second half, um, but the Jets had no problem moving the football. The Jets, John, essentially made the weather a non-excuse. Once the once the Jets, once Zach Wilson threw for three hundred yards, you you no longer can use rain as an excuse. I, I think what happened in that game, it, other than injuries because they were flat, at least offensively, from the get-go. And I don't think they were great defensively either. I mean, the, the Jets drove into Texans territory a couple times in the first half of that football game and shot themselves in the foot getting backed out of field goal range. I know they punted six times, the Jets did, but they they did have a little bit of success moving the football in the first half, and it was raining in the first half. John, that looked to me, and I'm not making excuses. This is no excuse. I'm just giving you my diagnosis. That looked to me like a group that came out of the tunnel looked around, saw that it was gray, dreary, rainy, a hostile New York crowd, I guess hostile with air quotes. Um, You're playing an opponent that's not really an opponent that's got a ton of juice. They looked like 53 guys that didn't really feel like being at work that day. Uh, You know, like just the environment was a blah kind of environment, and that was conveyed in their quality of play. Um, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And, of course, Robert Sala had the Jets ready to play. Check out these Texans drives. Punt. Punt, 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 touchdown, downs, downs, down, game over. Yep, yep. Boy, they were, they were awful on both sides of the ball. I got one more note here. Okay. Texans have beaten 
four quarterbacks who were the first overall pick in the draft. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. They've also yep. beaten Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. They've been good for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they can't beat Zach Wilson, Bryce Young, yeah. or Desmond Ritter the third. Desmond How Ritter, do you explain yep. it? Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's I I wrote that down, John. I jotted that down the other day during the show. These are the six quarterbacks they lost to. These are the seven quarterbacks that they've beaten. And you're absolutely right. Kenny Pickett was the other quarterback. He was a first-round pick that they beat this season. But yeah, the six quarterbacks they lost to, Lamar Jackson, basically Gardner Minshew. I mean, Anthony Richardson was knocked out of that game. They lost to a combination of Minshew and Richardson. And then Ritter, Young, no crime in losing to Trevor Lawrence, but then Zach Wilson. It's just, John, I, I think, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify this. They are a largely young football team with some solid veteran free agents, but no world beaters. They didn't sign any pro bowlers in free agency or anything like that. They're a much more talented roster than they used to be, but they're a team that the the core players on this team don't really have a great grasp on how to win week to week at the NFL level. I mean, Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud and many of the young players on the team have been part of winning programs in college, but that doesn't translate to knowing what to do week to week to win in the NFL. This is who they are. They're a middle-of-the-pack football team, and middle-of-the-pack football teams occasionally lose to bad teams, and occasionally they rise up and beat good teams. I said this, I think, on Sunday with you, and I've said it during the season, and I'll say it again. If they're going to go and be 9-8 and eight this year, which that's that's what it's looking like right now, uh, you, you know, it, I'm not picking them to win this game this weekend, um, and I think there's probably another loss on there somewhere. Uh, so 9-8, and eight, and I don't know if that's good enough to get into the postseason or not with all the tiebreakers that they own over some of these teams. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If I have a 500 football team that's back on a winning track for the first time in four years, it's largely a young team with an ascending young franchise quarterback, um, I'm willing to live with in the rebuilding year, in the reascension year. I'm willing to live with losses to teams like Carolina and the Jets with Zach Wilson if it's mixed in with things like wins over Cincinnati in Cincinnati, wins over Pittsburgh with a hostile Pittsburgh crowd here um, in in Houston. Um, you know, and 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 we could go through you know beating Jacksonville in Jacksonville early in the season. Um, so I, beating Denver, I, look, Denver all of a sudden is getting all this love again. A week after losing to the Texans, Denver goes out and they destroy the Chargers this week. And then now Denver's right back in the top 10 in a lot of people's power rankings. So this thing, the recency bias in the NFL is worse than it's ever been because of social media. The Texans go into Tennessee and they win that football game. They're, they're everybody's darling again. You know, like they did it without their quarterback and they did it without their weapons. And Boy, this, this was D'Amico Ryan's defining moment as a head coach. You know that's what the narratives will be. So I, I'm I'm totally cool with where they're at overall right now. And the fact that they're I can live with the losses to bad teams because there's three or four wins over really good teams mixed in there as well. So a stat this morning that said listed uh, records against teams with winning records, and the Texans are one of the few teams with a winning record yeah. against teams with winning records. John, I think that I think that bodes really well for the future of this football team. I they, when you get better as a team, you know what gets eliminated? Losses to teams like Carolina. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't stop beating the good teams. You 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 eliminate the losses to the bad teams. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm excited about. Right, let me like, ask you if you can improve one thing yeah. from this team right now and take away quarterback because we assume Stroud will be back. Yeah, at some point. But if you can improve one team, one thing, what would it be? Running game, running game on offense, and it's not even close. 
because it's an offensive league. I, I know points have come down this year than years past, um, but it's still a league that is largely dictated by being able to score points, being able to go get points at crucial junctures in the game, converting third downs, things like that. It's not, John, it's a total no-brainer running game. And, not, and the ability to run the ball on first and 10, not getting 16-yard runs when it's first and 25. I don't count any of those. These, Dame, these Devin Singletary runs when it's, end of the half and the defense is loosened up or it's first and 25 and Damian Pierce is getting 22. I don't even count those. I want this running game to be able to line up on first and 10 and give you second and three. I want this team to be able to line up and run the football in fourth quarters of games when they need to burn clock out and they're not leaning on CJ Stroud to throw short passes to do that. It's to me, it's a total no brainer, John, you get the running game going. And because this, we know they're, they're still going to run the football. If I've got to watch them run the football, I want to, Watch them run the football well. What about you? What's yours? Same thing. Yeah. Clearly. And they're going up against a good run defense that doesn't have Jeffrey Simmons, their best player. They've just gone up against a 32nd and a tied for 28th worst run defenses, and they still can't, can't run. run. Can't run. Yeah, it's 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 wild. So that's that that's that's mine, John. And it's um it's not even close, honestly. Um, all right. So that, that, that's it for our news and notes, John. That's it. All right. Good stuff. As always, that's the general news and notes. We do it every Tuesday, a few little tidbits to make you a little smarter at the water cooler. All right, John, I've got about, uh, I don't know, about six, seven, maybe eight mailbag questions. You want to hit these? Let's do it. Let's do it. We do the mailbag every Tuesday. You can email us at H O U mailbag at gmail.com H O U mailbag at gmail.com if you want us to answer your mailbag questions next week. If we don't get to yours, just know that sometimes we do keep some in the holster if they're a little bit more applicable for future episodes or maybe even the offseason as well. Um, here we go. JR and Spicewood, our guy from Spicewood uh, emailing in again. Love the show. Tough loss Sunday on multiple fronts with CJ most likely being out this week and the Texans still in the playoff hunt. Should D'Amico start case this week against the Titans? I think he gives us a better shot at winning over Mills. Thoughts? John, you said earlier on the podcast that the Texans will start Davis Mills, and I expect them to as well. I don't expect a team to have a guy second string all year, and then they flip it all of a sudden in a, in a week 15 game. But could you make a – no pun intended could, – could you make a case for Case to be the starting quarterback this weekend? Absolutely not. He hadn't played all year. He's been third team all year. Mills beat the Titans in Tennessee last year. He had the best game of his career against the Titans in a three-point loss here when the Titans were the best team in the AFC, needing that victory to clinch home field advantage in the playoffs. He's 4-1 on the road in the AFC South. So if they lose this game, it's not going to be because it was too big for him. They're going to lose because he played bad, couldn't run the ball, turnovers, bad defense, all could be all the above. But I think uh, Mills is the one because he's been doing all the work uh, in practice with scout team. Now, Case will do that because Case hasn't been able to do anything like that since training camp. I think it's fair to assume that we're going to get a different version of Davis Mills than we got with Pep Hamilton running the offense, you know, that he's had a chance to be incorporated or at least study and practice in this system uh, for, you know, a full offseason and now the, you know, 14 games or whatever it is, 14 weeks of, of this season. The one thing I'll say that concerns me, I mean, you said the moment won't be too big for him. I'm not so sure. Like this is, this is by far the most important football game that Davis Mills has played in 
probably since high school. I don't know. I'm assuming these guys, all these quarterbacks that are all, you know, get drafted in the NFL, all seemingly played on state championship teams back in the day when they were, when they were younger. Davis Mills is from Georgia. Um, I'm get, John, he played in no important games in college. He started 11 games at Stanford. He's played no important games at the NFL level because the Texans have been completely off the map. That is a concern of mine, actually. Like, this is a, a fairly big moment. This, I mean, this is a – the Texans themselves said it. These are playoff games the rest of the way for them. So He's a good customer. Okay. I know he's calm. Uh, that is true. But, uh, yeah, Case um, Case has seen a lot of stuff. But I, I, it's going to be Mills, so there's no real reason to kind of do the tail of the tape between both guys. Um, all right, Stephen in League City, John, with the longstanding run blocking issues that the Texans have had this season, what can they do to fix it for next season? Do they need to replace players, new coaching? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Um, it won't surprise like- me at all that Chris Strasser yeah. is gone. They, they've had like four or five line coaches each year. Every one of them's a one and done. But somebody's got to pay for how bad they are in run blocking. And Damian Pierce goes from a player that would have been a 12 to 1300 yard rusher in the previous system to a guy who's almost non-existent. He is has the worst run success rate and low an average per carry of any back with a hundred yards with a hundred carries. I don't know why they keep giving him the ball. It's like you just tell him to hit a brick wall and keep doing it. At least Singletary's had some gains, even if they're, 16 and 17 yard gains in obvious passing situations. But those guys are getting hit in the backfield. They're getting mm-hmm. hit at the line of scrimmage. The linemen just haven't figured it out. And somebody's got to pay for that hanging. And it's usually a coach. Yeah. Four, Chris Strauser probably has four weeks to save his job. And I don't know. He may be a good offensive line coach. He had some good lines in, in Indianapolis. Of course, he had really good material to work with on those lines as well. Multiple first round picks and things like that. He's got multiple first round picks on this offensive line, high picks, been a lot of injuries. So I give him the, 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 I give him the mulligan or the, you know, I caveat my assessment of him with that to me more than anything else. However, he's been as a coach this year is that they've got to do something and they're committed to all these players. Like it's, it's very expensive to extract themselves from any of the guys they gave long-term extensions to, They've got a lot of draft capital invested again. They're not going to start cutting Juice Scruggs uh, or Kenyon Green when he comes back um, because the the team can't run the football. Like, and they're not firing Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick has overall done a good job this year, but the run game's a disaster. Um, I just hope Chris Strauser is renting, not owning here in Houston because I think you're right. I think he could be the, the sacrifice bunt, as they like to say on the Sopranos. Good line. Yep. All right, next one, John. Uh, appreciate the uh, email, Stephen. Uh, Dave Howard, Dave and Round Rock. In 2011, the Texans had their best overall team. The offensive line was left to right. Dwayne Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brizell, and Eric Winston. After that season, Rick Smith allowed Brizell and Winston to leave in free agency. Actually, real quick, they cut Winston for cap purposes, just for point of factual uh, stuff there. Um, continuing, since then, the O-line has never been the same. I feel it's a curse. What do you suggest the Texans and their fans do? Wear amulets, bathe in magic herbs, light candles, and burn incense during games. Oh, what sports gurus do you suggest? John, do you have anything in particular that you would do, like in terms of a good luck charm or some sort of, um, you know, some some sort of artifact that we could use here to try to get some good mojo going for the Texans offensive line again? Is there anything that you use for that sort of thing? I noticed a Miami game Monday night, Kendall Lamb was starting – 
left tackle, I believe. Yeah. And in 2018, <laughs> their left tackle was Julian Davenport, and they were 12, what were they, 11 and 5. Yeah. And so the the year before, Brandon Brooks was, or the year after, Brandon Brooks was the right guard, and the right tackle was uh, uh, Newton. And those guys missed one game. As in the starting line, missed one game when Brandon Brooks got ill in Buffalo. And so you'd love to have that kind of stability, which they have not had. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem with the offseason not letting players hit and put on pads are offensive lines, and that's one reason quarterbacks are getting hurt because they're getting hit too much. And it may not be a pounding illegally, but just hit too much. And anyway, no, of course not. Voodoo maybe. Uh, yeah. All of all of Dave's uh, suggestions sound good, and I'm sure the Texans are willing to try anything. <laughs> If it helps them run the ball better. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll I'll do anything at this point for sure. Um, appreciate the email as always, Dave. Joe Q, another frequent emailer to the show. Why aren't the Vikings or Browns coach coaches the runaway choice for coach of the year? Cleveland has won games with four different QBs. Minnesota has a puncher's chance to win the division after losing Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. They both have games with Detroit remaining. Um John, that's an interesting one. By the way, D'Amico Ryans is now the leader. Ironically, after losing to the Jets, D'Amico is the leader on the odds board for Coach of the Year because Dan Campbell got bumped so far down that D'Amico, D'Amico just stayed the same. He's three to one. He was three to one last week, three to one this week. Um, but uh, Cleveland and Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. What are your thoughts on the jobs those two guys have done so far? Kevin this year? Stefanski's got the NFL's best defense. He has done a fabulous job. And uh, what was O'Connell's record last year? 12 and five, something like 13 that. 13 and four. 13, 13 and four. four. You don't go from 13 to four to coaching the coach of the year. And they've overcome injuries too. But I'm trying to figure out who it would be because it was Dan Campbell, Mike McDaniel, and D'Amico Ryan's. Now McDaniel and Campbell are out of the running. Shane Steichen's in there. But when you talk about guys having to use multiple quarterbacks and they stay in the race or they win a division, that is pretty amazing. But no team has come farther than the Texans have to this point based on how bad they've been and how bad everyone predicted they would be. Yeah. Um, John, it might be Mike McCarthy. Like Mike McCarthy. They're 10 four. They were 12 and five last year. No, I get it. I I mean, it's you. The the rule you're applying is there needs to be some sort of like, you're, you're almost grading it like most improved coach in some ways. Yeah. If the Cowboys run the table and go 14 and three and they'll have beaten, they'll have destroyed the Eagles in the process. Um, you don't think Mike McCarthy, because there's not, if they do that, Mike would have a great chance to to win it. If indeed you think they're going to run the table. Yeah, that's that's my point. I'm not. I mean, if he finishes with the same record as last year, I'm with you. Like, but if they run the table and John, they have the best point differential in all of football. So they're ten and three. A lot of other teams are ten and three. I think ten and three is the best record in the league right now. Across, you know, there's five or six teams that have that record, but the Cowboys have been dominant. They're they're plus one eighty eight on point differential, and that includes a thirty two point loss. <laughs> I mean, they've been killing teams lately. And you know what? He's had the same quarterback the whole time. That helps. I mean, look, that like I, I, yeah. Dak Prescott's going to be the MVP if they do that. I think so too. Um, I was sad to see Tyreek Hill get that ankle injury because Tyreek Hill, to me, like that's the one. 
I'm not a huge Tyreek Hill fan, but I've said for years now, he's the most valuable non-quarterback in all of football. And I think that's been borne out with Kansas City and with Miami here. And I think just with no quarterbacks until Dak the last month or so, really kind of separating themselves, this felt like a year that might be ripe for somebody who's not a quarterback to at least get their name into the conversation, especially because now instead of just voting for one name, guys vote for one through five. And I can see where Tyreek Hill might not be first on a lot of ballots, but he might be second or third and like in that mid range and rack up some points. I think, Ty- I think Tyree kill has a great case to be MVP of the league this year. Yeah, I think he'll probably be fourth or fifth somewhere in there. Yeah. And he'll probably be offensive player of the year. I mean, that seems like that's the that, category for a guy like that. Yeah. That seems when voters go MVP and offensive player of the year for both. That's yeah. not why the categories were created. It was created for a guy that came close to winning MVP or was an outstanding offensive player who didn't win it, and that would be perfect for Tyreek Hill. All right, let's do a few more here, John. This is from Charles Honeycutt. For real or Fugazi, the NFL will one day force the Giants slash Jets to update their field based on key players getting injured at MetLife Stadium. Players get injured all over the football, all over the NFL, not just there. We saw Dobbins blood his knee in the first game on a perfect grass field in Baltimore, which nobody ever brings up because it doesn't fit their agenda. But, yeah, players get hurt every stadium every every week. All right. He said for real or Fugazi, John. So that sounds like it's a – Fugazi. Fugazi. Thank you. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if that were to happen, it would be part of a broader league movement to just switch everything to grass, you know, which is what the players want. Um, I don't think they would target specific stadiums uh, to to change things to change things out. Um, uh, what, Charles. What's bad about that, Sean, is they're going to do it for the World Cup. Yeah, and they say it's too expensive. We know the NFL owners are poorhouse, knocking oh, on the yeah. door of the poorhouse, and they certainly couldn't do anything for the players that would cost them more money. Right. Uh, two more, John, Jimmy, and Tom Ball. Where do you guys come out on the Chiefs' anger over the? Kadarius Tony offensive offside. Some might say the Chiefs are whining over the end of their loss to the Bills. John, what are your thoughts on uh, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and their act on Sunday? That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. He was clearly blatantly offsides. Shut up and play. Shut up and lose. Now, he apologized because it was so out of character. Maybe he finally saw the pictures. Tony is a moron. That's the guy they should have been blasting. Andy Reid quieted down too. They were just frustrated because they've lost a bunch of games. Yeah. They're not dominant, and it looks like they're not going to get home field advantage for the first time in Mahomes' career. Yep, yeah. When you say he, you're talking about Mahomes, and I think that was on our uh, sister station in Kansas City uh, earlier today, Carrington Harrison's show, either yesterday or today. I, John, I heard his apology. He was by and large apologizing for how he acted with Josh Allen in the middle of the field as opposed to apologizing for taking the referees to task. I thought his apology kind of sucked. If you he want might to know have pulled out of himself. He did. Well, and it doesn't help that he sounds like Kermit the Frog when he's yelling either. It's just <laughs> – and, and by the way, like, there's three things about this that piss me off. Let me just say this. Three things. One, you pointed it out. It's Kadarius Tony. When you sign up for this – you, when you when you uh, trade for Kadarius Tony, you sign up for his dumbassery. So when he's a dumbass, you can't go complaining that the officials it's the officials' fault that he's being a dumbass. That's number one. Number two, the, the refereeing is bad across the league right now. That's a huge storyline going on in the NFL. How bad the officiating is. 
We know, John, we, the Texans, and the media covering them like us and fans have been victim of that in a couple very recent games. That Jacksonville game, the officiating was terrible. Um, the call of the forward progress on Samaje Pirine in the Denver game that, that, that nullified a touchdown by Desmond King that would have effectively ended that game. Horrible, horrible call. The Chiefs, by and large, get the benefit of a ton of calls because of the Kansas City Chiefs. Cool. I'm not going to let Pat Mahomes climb on our cause like he's like he's some sort of victim here as well i feel like he's he's he, this wave of anti-officiating going on you can't get on our bandwagon patrick mahomes you're not a victim we are victims you're not a victim you can't climb on the third thing james bradbury's holding call in the super bowl which was as ticky tack as it gets go back and watch it you know who's pointing saying there should be a flag right there on that holding call pointing basically celebrating the holding call Pat Mahomes, and that was dumb because part of his whole reason for why he was so mad was he's like, well, it's just I hate that uh, I hate that Travis Kelsey is, is going to have this moment. He's a, he, he, this is a moment was going to go on his Hall of Fame film, and I just I, I can't believe that they would do Travis Kelsey like that. And if you're if you're trying <laughs> to be good. this protector of the realm of Canton and football then you, instead of congratulating all your teammates and accepting the Lombardi trophy when Terry Bradshaw handed it to you, when Terry Bradshaw was like, Pat, what do you feel about the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl? And Pat Mahomes was like, I just want to say my teammates are amazing and this feels so good, I got to tell you. The first thing you should have said was, well, Terry, really, the real, the real thing that happened out there was James Bradbury got victimized, and that's really bad for the game. So I'm going to give this trophy back, and we're going to declare this game a tie, if that's okay with you, all right? Um, that's what Mahomes should have done. So I'm mad. I'm hopping mad, just like Kermit the Frog. Okay, well, I got something that's going to make you happy. That's enough okay. qu- That's enough of the mailbag. What would Lou Holtz say today when he found out Riley Leonard had left Duke to be the starting quarterback of the Fighting Irish? Well, listen, John McClain, you're a Hall of Famer. I like that you ask me these questions because, as you know, Ryan Day knows I still have opinions on things. I called Ohio State soft this year, and Ryan Day went apoplectic. So I would say Riley Leonard made a good decision. He came, and he saw the lady on the dome, and he said, you know what? I was at Duke. Duke is where wormy rat-faced coaches are. I will come to the lady on the dome where the most legendary coaches are people like, well, me, quite frankly. And you see the love and the trust and the commitment and the belief in one another. Riley Leonard knows if you're going to win national championship, he's making a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision, or really like a four-month decision because he's one of those transfer portals. I, I don't know how we're done with that transfer portal back in the day. I, it is, I, I would have had a hard time just sitting trying to sell these kids on staying in school. Thank you, Lou. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, do I have – John, I got to ask you this one. This is from Dominic in Upper Kirby. Last one, I promise. Um, where does Tommy DeVito's agent rank for you guys in unique agent looks or mannerisms? Did you see this guy last uh, of night? Of course. I've never, how can you not? The guy's all over the internet, TV. He is famous. He's a genius. They've, He's had a him, genius. they've had him on talk shows in New York. They've had him on TV. He looks like straight out of the Sopranos. I think he's great. Yeah. Him and the family, they're getting so much attention. They're the three highest ratings of quarterbacks this year. Number one, Brock Purdy, and number two, Tommy DeVito. 
Isn't that unbelievable? Like, what world are we living in right now? It's incredible. Tommy um, DeVito and and uh, Jake Browning, two of the greatest success stories in the NFL. Let's see. Dude, I mean, John, you're kind, you're kind of touching on, though, this is, uh, look, to put a bow on this episode, and we'll talk about this more on Thursday, like, that's, the Texans are being asked to do something, at least for one week, that a lot of other teams have had to do more than more teams than normal have had to do in the NFL this year. Cleveland's had to do it with four different guys. Jake Browning's won a couple games in Cincinnati. Tommy DeVito's won a few games in New York. I, if I rack my brain, Josh Dobbs in Minnesota, the first two weeks he's there, he wins a couple games. He doesn't even know the playbook, and he's winning games. Um, it's not like we're sending Davis Mills to Baltimore to go win a game in December. You're going to Tennessee. I know they just beat the Dolphins, but maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit right now, and you catch them a little let down off guard here. So, I, And I know D'Amico Ryans isn't complaining about it. Of all people, D'Amico's like, hey, man, it's the NFL. This is what you got to go do. Um, but, yeah, I, like the, there's there's no excuses for the Texans, really. Like C.J. Stroud being out sucks. You, If you're a playoff team, you should still be able to go to Tennessee and find a Absolutely. way to win with Davis Mills as your quarterback. Absolutely. Yep. Um, John, I enjoyed this one. This was a this was a lively, spirited mailbag episode. I did too. Thank you very much, Sean. You're very welcome. I appreciate that. Um, all right, uh, we uh, big big thanks to uh, James Jackson uh, as well. Our producer does a great job of getting the podcast out to all of you on a timely basis. Click the subscribe button; you'll get the podcast uh, automatically wherever it is you subscribe to your podcast. Um, also a um, reminder again, mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to email us a question for next week's mailbag, um, always good. To, anytime you want to send a general question in, obviously questions that are about the, the game that just took place are always great ones too. So if you want to wait till after the game this Sunday to send a question, that's fine as well. The mailbox is open 24 seven. It's email mailbag at gmail.com. So for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Thursday as we preview uh, what will be one of the, I would say one of the, one of the more um, intriguing matchups the Texans have been involved in in the last several years. Backup quarterback headed to Tennessee with the season kind of hanging in the balance right now. We'll do that on Thursday. Until then, have a great week, everybody.